0: to the PC perspective podcast. This is episode 530 being recorded on January 30, 2019. I am your host Sebastian Peak. I'm Jeremy Hellstrom. I'm Josh Walrath. I already blew it with the switching. Sorry.
1: I'm Jim <laughs> and I'm sick today, so I'm I'm just a screen. When when you see the this inanimate screen, that's that's me.
0: The gym is actually the name of the computer program that runs our uh, podcast operation.
1: Yeah, it's a real piece of shit.
0: It's a semi-intelligent auto-switcher. Emphasis on the semi. Yeah. So uh, we're recording live once again. We were sick last week, uh, collectively, uh, mostly Jim, who has been near death, as I understand it, uh, and is still not ready to show his face to the world. But we're back. We're live. And if you want to find out when we are live, you can join our little uh, spam list. All we do is send out an email when we go live for special events, for podcasts, that sort of thing. So sign up there if you want to know. But we have a lot to get to because we were not here last week. Well, we were semi-here, but it, it was a total technical thing that we're not even getting into. So we're going to cover a lot. Kind of some highlights as far as the news goes, but we have quite a few reviews. We're on we're a torrid pace in 2019 with reviews. It's a little scary. It's the only way to keep you warm down there. I know. I mean... It, Every time I start to feel cold, I just review something as fast as I can. I think it's the lights from my light box that warm me. At least they make me feel warm. Anyhow, uh, getting right hey, into yeah, it. Just Let's enough, as a side thing.
2: Uh, you and Tasty PC would probably get along really well because apparently she has like 38 cases lining her walls of her garage.
0: I, I have her beat there. But I actually, I got smart, and before it got really cold, I lined my attic with them. So now I have additional insulation above the ceiling, which holds the heat down, because, you know, heat rises and uh, and computer enclosure boxes keep that heat in my living room. Yeah, because you've got, like, Cooler Master R52-type insulation. Mm. Yes. Uh, Yeah. Anyway, moving on power supplies. We have not one but two power supply reviews in as many weeks and the first one is a Seasonic. This is the Focus SGX 650 and this one threw me a little bit because it's an SGX branding of an SFXL power supply. There are two different flavors of this power supply. uh, 450 and 650 watts. The nice thing about SFXL, if you're not familiar, is this is that small form factor like Mini ITX, very like it's like half the size of a standard power supply but the l variant is a little bit longer and it holds a full 120 millimeter fan so this has a nice fluid dynamic bearing fan the one complaint about these power supplies basically is that the the smaller fans can get kind of noisy this takes care of that if you have space for it anyhow the i won't get into the the nitty-gritty of the review you can read lee's excellent review on the site but essentially he came away impressed with it. The only thing he found about it that he didn't like is actually one thing that I like. So it really depends on your point of view here. He did not like that the included... is a full modular power supply. The included flat ribbon cables are very short. So, uh, I like that. I'm the guy who bought a Silverstone SFX power supply a few years ago and bought their short cable kit. So this one for 100 bucks, for the 450 it comes with the kit, which is like $25. So it's kind of like an all-in-one thing if you're building in a very small enclosure and don't have a lot of space for cables or want to try to make it look neat. Plus, you can always use cable extensions. But anyhow, read the review. It got a gold award from Lee. And speaking of Lee and power supplies, he just put up a power supply review from Cooler Master. This is the MWE Gold 750 watt full modular power supply and there is a non-modular version of this so that is the differentiator and once again really didn't have any complaints about this power supply it performed admirably the only issue he really had about this one that got him less excited was the pricing relative to the market this one is a hundred dollars so if you're looking at gold rated Modular power supplies these days, 750 Watts, 80 plus gold for a hundred dollars. One of those things where I think if you can find this one on sale, it's solid hits all of its numbers, continuous output at 45 C, you know, good voltage regulation, that sort of thing. Good power supply, just not like the most exciting pricing. So that was kind of the takeaway there. But once again, the full review at com with all of those lovely charts and, uh, technical details and photos let's move to a couple of uh jim reviews jim has been busy testing storage and we all know that we lost somebody very near and dear to us in the recent past and alan is no longer with us i mean he's he's alive don't get me wrong he's alive and kicking but we have, you know, storage to cover. There's a lot of storage happening in 2019. We're looking at the, pos- we don't have anything yet, but we're looking at like the possibility of PCI Gen 4 stuff coming down the road. We saw that Fizon controller at CES, but right now we do have stuff. And this is actually something from CES, the WD Black SN750. And that is important because we already had a WD Black NVMe SSD on the market. This is the Black SN750. So if you're searching for this or looking for information about this online, you have to use that uh name. But this is a very performant NVMe SSD that comes in a couple different flavors. One is just like your, your stock NVMe SSD, and then the higher end SKU comes with an EK water blocks heatsink. For longer sustained writes and they were they talked to us about thermals and how that impacts performance over uh longer durations but the interesting thing about this one is they're getting a lot higher performance especially on the right side than they were previously uh we're talking nearly three thousand megabytes per second Uh, all the way up through the two terabyte model. Actually, the one terabyte is a sweet spot. That's what Jim tested, where he was getting, you know, this is rated for 3,000 megabytes per second, writes, Sequential reads 3470. Uh, And this is using that, uh, the the 64-layer 3D, triple-layer cell uh, NAND. And another interesting thing about this, I'll mention this before we go over some of the, uh, this is like an initial review to some of our basic uh, performance benchmarks to give you an idea of what this drive can do. This uh, has a gaming mode. So in the software toolbox uh, that this comes with, you can turn on the gaming mode, which actually completely disables any um, power savings, leaving it, uh, basically forcing it to stay in its high power state and making it a lot more uh, responsive. I know that In my experience, when one of these drives, I have a couple of NVMe SSDs in a computer and I use one of them as like my image storage drive for working in Lightroom. And that one takes a moment to wake up. It's not always just like immediately available if I haven't been using it. So anyway, looking at some of the performance numbers with this drive, it was pretty much as advertised as far as uh, the kind of write speeds you're going to see. Uh, looking at Crystal Disk Mark, you know, just kind of your basic look at like a consumer, you know, sequentials not quite hitting 3000 but 2857 uh reads with, you know, 3468 uh random very good like uh, nearly 100,000 IOPS uh reads writes at about 78,000 uh you can go through like we we went through like a uh, Crystal Disk uh Mark SSD SSD and uh, looked at some sequential numbers it's, it's impressive stuff the pricing on this one which is you know very important we're looking at 249 99 and if you look at where the evo has been the one terabyte model by the way this is both one terabyte Evo has been at about 250 street for the same uh, capacity so you look at like the my digital SSD, That one has a $349 MSRP, but actually retails for under $200 street. And I know, Josh, you are a fan of the My Digital SSD.
2: You know, they've they've got a solid product for a pretty solid price. And you can get a rec from them. And they have that USB to NVMe thing going on as well. It's all good in My Digital SSD's universe. There you go. Something happened?
0: Mm, no. Jim, did you have anything to add about this SSD? Are you with us? Uh, yeah. <clears throat> the uh, uh,
1: the key is the order that we're discussing these is the order in which the products launched. And when this launched and the review went live, this was a very, very compelling product. It still is a compelling product, but its 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 benefits versus the 970 Evo were a lot stronger and then leading into our next review the uh the Samsung responded with the 970 Evo Plus which kind of put a damper on on the gains that Western Digital made with this with this
0: launch uh and speaking of SSDs here's one that isn't available to purchase yet and it is the 970 Evo, but it is the Evo Plus. So this is brand new. Even though, obviously, if you go out searching for the Evo, you're going to find the previous version. This one, kind of the same story as the Western Digital. This is all about write speeds. This, As Jim titles this, the new write speed leader. It's like previous generations, you had the Evo, which had lower write performance than, than like the Pro. Would although excellence reads uh the pro is where you would go if you wanted like to maximize performance reads and writes. And here this Evo Plus is basically I mean it's not across the board, but if you look at the benchmarks in the review, you see something that is very close to the pro. So the the one thing about this drive though, and if you if you go through you can see what I'm talking about as far as numbers relative to you know the it's it's close to that western digital black s m seven fifty we were talking about it it exceeds the nine seventy pro in some ways, although we did not have uh the same capacity of the pro to test it against this one, so take that you know for what it is but looking at you know around three thousand uh rights to go along with basically maxing out reads, which everything is pretty much doing at this point with Gen three. PCI Express these drives they're they're all getting so fast that at this point it's just a matter of like endurance and price cuz I don't think you can really go wrong with any NVMe SSDs at this point uh as long as they have a, a you know relatively recent uh controller in them yeah it seems like there are certainly corner cases
2: that uh, distance one from another but uh when you're talking about You know, the top end stuff is 3,400, you know, gig, what, 3.4 gigs per second of reads and 3.1 of writes. And then you, you know, mix in some different loads. You know, if if you really depend on workstation type applications and doing video editing and real-time 4K stuff, then this could be, you know, a make or break for you with, with the products but yeah for the average user who's going to be using it as a boot drive uh, who's going to be doing office applications who's going to install three or four games on uh, there and that's about it because of just the size um boy you're you're kind of struggling to find any real differences in in how you actually react to the speed
1: uh one of the the differences though uh that we should point out is that Samsung is using so all all these high capacity uh TLC NAND products have caching that's how they get their their speed advantages they have a, a certain amount of SLC cache that can go very fast and then once that's depleted it then goes to the higher density NAND which slows down the cheaper products when so the, at, at, within their cache they're all very good uh, when the, the difference between the better and the cheaper ones is that when the cheaper ones were not of cash, they get very, very slow. Like the Crucial P1 or the Intel 660p, a lot of these QLC-based products, QLC is very slow. So as long as your usage case is within that cash size, uh, you'll be fine. And with Samsung, what they're doing is they have this thing called TurboWrite. That's what they call their cash. They introduced last year with the 970 EVO uh, an intelligent turbo cache. So basically, it can dynamically, you have a base layer of SLC for your cache, and then it can dynamically expand that by converting TLC to SLC or using TLC space as SLC uh, based upon the size of your drive and how much free space you have. And so with this year's 970 EVO+, Plus, what you can see in the chart here is the turbo write size based on the drive capacity. So, the, with the one terabyte drive we tested, you have a guaranteed base of six gigabytes. So, no matter how much you fill the drive, your turbo cache will always have six gigabytes of SLC. Uh, but if you have space available, it can expand up to an additional 36 gigabytes, giving you a total. If you again, if you have the capacity, if you haven't filled the drive all the way, you'd have a total of 42 gigabytes of SLC. So, that means you can write 42 gigabytes at 33. Uh, hundred megabytes a second before it slows down and then once it does slow down the rest of your write would be at 1700 and that that speed advantage goes down significantly as you go to slower or to smaller drives so for like the 250 gigabyte model for example you've only got four gigabytes of cache with an additional up to nine gigabytes so a total of 13 and you'll get 2300 megabytes per second within that 13 but if you're writing a 20 gigabyte iso file or something after that 13 gigabyte cache is filled, your speed's drop to 400 megabytes a second. So that's the key. You have to look at your workload. What is your expected writing uh, plans? You know, what will you be doing? And then even if you don't need a terabyte of space, if you need that, let's say you only need 500 gigabytes, but you need that drive to operate at greater than 900 megabytes a second, you're going to want to buy the faster, the bigger drive, because that also gives you the speed even if you don't need the capacity.
0: Well, again you can look at all the charts on the website um but this is as performed as you're really going to get until we see like the 980 pro which at this point like we were talking i think before the show started you almost have to go to pcie gen 4 before the pro is i mean on on this generation of pcie we're getting to the point we're almost saturating it not in everything but we're hitting a ceiling. And we're limited by the interface almost, as far as if a next-gen controller comes out that has the potential for greater performance, we're going to have to move to PCIe Gen 4. And with AMD saying that they're going to be first to market with that interface, and we are not quite there with the 3000 series Ryzen parts yet, then... Uh I'm not sure. I guess we we'll have to see how the year plays out. It'll be interesting. Well they they did show off that uh PCAE 4.0
2: controller at uh, CES and it was it was achieving 4 gigs per second reads and writes. So that's kind of cool. And it's certainly something that uh, in certain circumstances is is needed. Now if we can only get networking to be
0: at 10G and above consistently Did you freeze? No, you're just you just Look, you're you're messing with me, Josh. I'm not. I'm you're talking I'm, about internet bandwidth and then you just stop talking and you freeze. Okay. Get out of Okay, so I I work in a place with a lot of people
2: doing ArcGIS, streaming a lot of layers, stuff like that and uh having a 10G network internally would solve a lot of problems and make people people
0: happier i'm not trying to freeze okay speaking of happy people if you like low profile keyboards if you don't want if you like mechanical switches but you don't want the big tall not really sure why that would be a problem but maybe you're into low profile keyboards slightly smaller keyboards cooler like like this what do we have here well, yeah. I mean, I guess if you're used to typing on any modern laptop, they all, they all have the same kind of chiclet keys. This one is kind of interesting because it's the Cooler Master SK630. It's one of their new keyboards that they just introduced. And this one, it's not going to make everybody happy, but it's interesting. So it's, it's the Cherry MX low-profile switches. And it is an aluminum base with these flat-looking just barely concave sort of matte unfinished keycaps and they're very close together. So Chris Coke, who wrote this up for us uh, he said that that was the biggest area that he had to kind of uh, adjust. It wasn't that it was low profile. He got used to that. It was that he he said he measured and like these were about half as far apart as keys on any of the other keyboards. So he was he was making mistakes because he kept on hitting other keys and he had to sort of refine his typing style to get used to it. Just for writing, he liked it a lot more for gaming than writing. And they're very fast. These are, these are very low profile, low actuation. I think these actuate at like one point, where's the stat here? 1.2 millimeters, I think. Yeah. Actuation is 1.2 millimeters. Travel distance is 3.2. So they still have a full three millimeter travel which is still under what you'd see with a lot of mechanical keyboards. I think full-size Cherry keys are somewhere in the four, four and a half range. And he he really, really liked the switches. He couldn't like, That was like the absolute, his favorite part of this review compared to the Cherry ML, which he did not like the last iteration of these. So uh, again, you know, this is your typical RGB keyboard. You have, lighting control with software there's also a lot of control on the keyboard itself and he liked that a lot like you can create macros in the software you can do it on the keyboard so much of the functionality you can do without using any software at all if you don't want to run any additional software so you can check out the review uh he goes pretty in-depth into his experience with it typing gaming thoughts about you know how the keycaps feel how they wear he said that these actually show oil quite easily because they don't have any coating on them but that's a kind of a personal thing, like feel versus, I guess, uh, long-term uh, appearance. Because they apparently once they start showing oils, they just never stop. But check it out if you're interested in low-profile keyboards. This one's kind of, I mean, it's, it's not cheap. These, these keyboards with these switches, $119. So you, you have to try this out and, and see if it fits for you. Because it's, it's going to fit a very specific style. There's no like flip-out feet or anything on the bottom. It's it's kind of like set the way it is. That wedge shape, that you know, Apple. You hate to use that word. It's almost like a a bad word among PC enthusiasts, but it has kind of an Apple feel. That's kind of what Chris came away with. So if you're into that, check it out. And I will get through this next story in less than ten minutes, Josh. I promise. You're you're on the timer. Okay. The RTX 2060. We talked about it a couple weeks ago. I feel like I haven't stopped talking about it since CES. Good
3: review. Uh, it's, 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 it's,
0: go Is ahead, it? Jeremy. <laughs> I was going to say good review. Okay, moving on. Okay, quickly. This was part two. This was a follow-up review of the card. And what I didn't do with part one was 1440p testing, which was kind of an egregious oversight. But we have it fixed. Now it's on the site. And you can look at how this card performed basically doing what it's designed to do. And that's really what became apparent as I actually ran these benchmarks. Everything was run at high settings, except for Final Fantasy 15, but that's kind of a bad, not really great benchmark. But I ran it at standard settings just to make sure that no game work stuff was enabled by default. But pretty much high settings, 1440, great frame rates. And what you're looking at is performance that sits right between a GTX 1070 and a GTX 1080 most of the time. So you're getting basically this generation's GTX 1070 Ti that's a card that launched last year for $449. This card is $349. Uh the other aspect of this that was really interesting is if you look at page 2 of that review you see overclocking results. And I'm not a professional overclocker. I used the latest version of MSI Afterburner. I first attacked the core to see how high I could get the core stable and I couldn't do any better than plus 170 which is still a pretty good overclock and that coupled with a very modest plus 500 on the memory resulted in the first benchmark I ran which was 3 D Mark Time Spy I ran it just to see if it was stable and I kept running it until I, I kind of hit this ceiling with core clock and where core was actually, like the boost was actually uh, kind of settling, was at between 2055 and 2070. And these move in 15 megahertz increments, by the way. So, the RTX cards. So at pretty much 2070 across the board, stable, I was getting results that either were neck and neck with an RTX 2070, or just behind, but at least easily beating a GTX 1080. So if you think about it, this $350 card with a modest overclock is going to give you at least GTX 1080 level of performance. And if you really go after an overclock with this thing, you can potentially even catch up to an RTX 2070, which is, you know, a $499 MSRP card. So nothing like stunning here as far as like relative to previous generations with what you could do with overclocking on some of the lesser cards. Although I don't remember if I brought this up last week or the week before, but I compared this to the GTX 560 Ti with 448 cores from way back in like, I don't remember what year that came out towards the end of the life of Fermi. And that was actually a card that was based on the GTX 570, slightly cut down version of that card. But if you overclocked it, you could actually catch right back up to the 570. And this kind of feels like that. This is like a slightly cut down version of the 2070 where if you boost it back up and you are quite limited as far as memory bandwidth goes, cause you lose a memory controller, but uh, you, you go from a, a 336 gigabytes per second to about 360 gigabytes per second with a slight memory overclock that I did. But anyhow, check it out. If you want to read the actual like game by game benchmarks and see how this did as far as, you know, frame times and average frames per second. But once again, I kind of came to the same conclusion as I did with part one, which was, this is about the, the right level of performance for this price, but it's not what people were really thinking of when they heard the name 2060, because the, the 1060 is easily the most popular gaming card. I don't care if you're on the AMD side of things or in the Nvidia side of things. If you look at Steam hardware surveys, the, ten, the 1060 is way ahead of anything else. It's like 15%, I don't remember the exact numbers, 12 to 15% of users are on this card and then it's like single digits for everything else. So the tw- 2060 comes out and the name alone sounds like, oh, this is just a successor to the 1060. It'll be you know, faster, it'll be around the same price. And it came out $100 more than people were expecting because the 1066 gig- six gigabyte came out at 249 and this is 349, but really this is like the the, the 1070 Ti level, which is considerably higher than the 1060 was. This is twice the performance of a 1060 across the board. So anyway, I've said my piece about that. Does anybody have anything to add so I can stop talking?
2: Boy, it's kind of unfortunate that uh, AMD, their RX 580 and 590 just couldn't quite compete above 1080p in, in a lot of multi you know modern games, because it actually has the 8 gigs of, of memory, which causes less problems at, at higher resolutions, namely 1440.
0: So come on, Andy, get it together, man, get it together. You know, rumor has it. And by rumor, I mean, you know, CES uh, keynote speech has it that there will be a new Radeon card next month. I believe it's what it's February seven was the launch date for the Radeon seven. Am I wrong? I'm thinking seven, seven in my head, seven nanometer, Radion seven is it? It all comes February? together. Right, February seven? At February. seven PM seven oh seven AM on the seventh. Anyway, can't wait to see what that card can do. I won't I won't belabor anybody with rumors or anything like that. We're just gonna move on to news. And Jeremy, I believe you wrote this up. Is is there trouble at TSMC? Uh, Well, there would be more trouble
3: if there was a huge uh, demand for their chips right now, but since they're down about a quarter of the market, uh, it's not as bad as it is. But the thing is that somebody brought them some bad dope and the uh, Fab 14B in southern Taiwan had to shut down the 12 nanometer and 16 nanometer nodes for a little while. Uh, They figured that... Because of the bad doping of the waffers, they're looking at about 10,000 of them that aren't completely dead, but the vast majority of the stuff coming off of it is going to be. You you might save a few uh, cores off of it, but probably not that many. Now, the good news is uh, this is mostly going to affect Huawei MediaTek and NVIDIA. AMD has already moved off of those processes, even for their uh, Xbox and PlayStation console level uh, APUs. The question is, you know, is this actually going to have a market effect? And when you're looking at, you know, a, a huge drop in demand uh, so far this first quarter, if it will actually impact supply of NVIDIA cards on the market. But if it does, an AMD can get to market on time while this is happening at a good price and with good performance, it'd be a great way for them to steal a bunch of revenue from NVIDIA. The question though is, you know, is it really going to have that huge of an impact when all you're looking at is 10,000 wafers? And I mean, hello, ringy dingy. That's It's not a huge amount of chips really. I mean, even a 16 nanometer. So, you know, it's, it's probably not going to have as big an impact as the news wanted you to believe that it will, but it's certainly going to have an impact. And it's been a bad six months for TSMC because they got uh, shut down with a WannaCry infection uh, last summer. So it's been a bit too interesting for them lately, I will say.
2: Man, nah, it's not going to be that big of a deal. I mean, they're going to lose a couple of thousand wafers, but... They'll get it cleaned up, get things going again, those 10,000 wafers just sitting in storage, waiting to be processed. It'll it'll all be last year's memory.
0: Bittersweet, maybe even rose-tinted. Who's on 12 nanometer? NVIDIA is on 12 nanometer for GPU, right? Huawei, and uh, although I don't
3: know what exactly it is, MediaTek. I don't
0: know what they'd be making. They make awesome stuff in, you know, the very low and phone segment and by awesome i mean you know acceptable moving on to our next story we we talked about this i know this group talked about this last week but uh let's talk about it briefly again amd apus in next gen consoles and that's not like news in and of itself although the follow up to this like what we were talking about as far as the xbox rumors are kind of interesting and maybe a little here uh far fetched but We'll, we'll see. And I have some, some different thoughts maybe about NVMe in the Xbox than I did last week, but Gonzalo is the name. And we've been seeing all these leaks from this API sack, Appy sack? happy sack, happy sack. Okay. Well, right. it, it seems like every week and there were more, more and more constantly. I know that the Radeon rumors that Jeremy posted this week are, are more happy data miner, you know, Twitter account leaks. But there was a, a string, a uh, APU string that came out, and if you interpret the string the way that they have a decoder, if you look at the the news post, there's a uh, how to decode AMD codenames image that shows you that you can interpret that this is for a game console, and there's a whole bunch of other stuff that can be inferred from this. And there was another Twitter account that had basically put out some of the specs that they divide. They, you know, we're looking at like one gigahertz base. 3.2 gigahertz boost with eight CPU cores, a GPU clock of of approximately one gigahertz. They were calling it Navi light, Navi 10 light, <laughs> whatever that is. So, it's an really
3: annoying sprite in a game that we've all played.
0: Oh, well, yeah. But, you know, I mean, the, to me, the questions are not, will it be AMD? It is, will this be Zen 2? Will it be Zen Plus? How long have they had this design in the works? Is this going to be like using, you know, bleeding edge stuff? Will it be using slightly more mature stuff? I know when the Switch from Nintendo was announced, there were all these rumors and speculations about what it would be, and it would be brand new GPU architecture, and it ended up being the Tegra X1. Just running at basically the same thing that powers the NVIDIA shield uh for for TVs, but running at slightly lower clocks. But clever, you know, it, very good use of FP-16. And it ends up being very good. We have a Switch here. My wife is a big <laughs> Nintendo fan, and it looks great. Like, compared to the Wii U, it is an improvement. This will obviously be a lot more powerful than that. And speaking of power, the other side of this, the X, the Xbox rumors, and I know WCCF Tech was reporting this, there was a um, a Reddit leak that they were kind of going through, and, you know, they were looking at, the hardware specs and what they thought was true what was false and basically what what they said was all true was that it was going to be 8 core Zen 2 and you would assume it's going to be like kind of this whatever is in the PlayStation 5 may or may not be what we're looking at for the new Xbox so we're 8 core 16 threads Zen 2 custom Navi with 12 plus teraflops I don't know if that's, you know, FP16, FP32, what that is. 16 gigabytes of GDDR6 memory. And then the odd spec is one terabyte of NVMe storage, which seems kind of outrageous. Uh, You know, what kind of price point are they looking at with this thing? They're going to be putting a one terabyte SSD in, as we were just talking about. One terabyte SSDs go anywhere from like 180, 190 to 250, or even $300 on the market. And these are obviously going to be purchased in bulk. My thinking now is, just looking at this one gigabyte per second estimated performance, this, if true, that's actually a pretty low-end NVMe drive. Like, I I can see them using NVMe to maximize space. But, and using very, you know, dense 64-layer TLC, maybe quad-level, who knows you know when when
2: you're looking at a sub $500 console spending 150 to 125 bucks on storage when you can get a spinny drive for about 50 bucks that's mm-hmm. kind of make and break mm-hmm. for something of of this size and, and this market i i think you know maybe they I don't even know why they would need to have an NVMe just because consoles are, I mean, their consoles are not PCs and and you can, you're already developing for a closed system and you can use a lot of different optimization paths that you don't have available on the PC because of the wide variety of, of hardware configurations. You know, I just still see them seeing storage as a second-class citizen and that is an easy place to cut to get your prices
0: down to where they need to be. Do you think it's possible that they are using some form of PCI Express storage, if this is even true, because uh, they don't want to have to add like more complexity with a SATA controller? What if this platform can make use of PCIe storage, but you would have to add something like an as media or some other kind of controller for sata what if it's not holy, native
2: holy cra- you know sata is is so mature i mean it was introduced in what 1999 2000 something like that and even though sata 6g is the newest form it's still god it's 12 years old now 11 yeah, years old and uh you know, adding that into you know a a die an I/O chip is is small. It's it's well known. It's relatively easy to do because all the all the technology is is there. And so, you know it's it's not it's not a big deal to add SATA compatibility. I mean, as Media makes chips, hundreds of well not hundreds but dozens of other Companies all make chips, and they're really inexpensive because the technology is super mature. And so why not do it? I mean, it's cheap. It's, it's fast enough, especially if you're going to use a cheap, inexpensive spinny drive. What's, what's the need to, to go to PCI Express and VME storage? Well, it's just something to- that is, is cost-conscious as a console. At sub five hundred bucks. Well, to toss
3: more fuel into the fire, uh, today uh, Samsung announced uh, that they're designing uh, the the old embedded universal flash storage, one terabyte chips, which are also strangely enough offering reads of about one gigabits. So it it could be a cross thing like that, you know, cheap, cheap, cheap flash on as Josh says a, a fairly cheap interface maybe not NVMe cuz it it just seems a bit expensive but then again you're you're looking at a marketplace where people are happily blowing a grand on a phone they may well just buy you know blow a grand on their next gen console, yeah,
2: man. But you carry your phone around 24 hours a day. How long, how often do you carry your, your console with you, man? Well,
3: now that you can hook it directly up to your console and play your games on the phone via the new Xbox streaming service, yeah, I, I I could believe they do it. But yeah, I just I want to see what they do because I'm not picturing them putting in top end NVMe, uh, an, a top end NVMe drive into a, a console. It just doesn't make sense.
0: We'll have to obviously it's 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 blame, but it's true. We have to wait and see. And I would assume that there's something more. There would there will be something more concrete by E three, but I don't know dates. I haven't looked into the next gen consoles. It's rumors that closely, but let's talk about Radeon rumors. Speaking of rumors, we have you know we have two weeks worth of Radeon rumors. I know Jeremy wrote the first one up for us. Actually, I think he wrote both of them up for us. There there are different things bouncing around about the GPU front. I know there was some talk about the fact that there would only be a single card design, like a reference board design, and I actually saw another report somewhere else saying that somebody was working on their own. So that may have already been refuted.
3: Uh, It sort of sounds like uh, NVIDIA's Founders Edition where it's going to hit the market, it will be sold directly by AMD, and you will get their board but uh we've also seen some pictures of very the, the usual suspects uh designs on the item boards which all you know for the most part look exactly like the card that uh dr lisa was holding up so i mean at this point it's just bloody hell release the damn thing already we we already know so much about it but we don't because it is still rumor and we could be completely and totally wrong on this uh but there, there's been some interesting bouncing around because of course it's amd so everyone's got to take a shot at them my favorite one was that uh with the cost of the hbm2 uh every single 700 dollars car that sold amd is going to lose money on because that's a perfectly sound business set it's, it's reason to do things right that's why you sell cards it's it's right so, you so sell funny.
0: things because you make it up in volume, Jeremy. If, any, yes. if you ever studied business, you would know that if, you, if it costs you $700 to make this card, and you sell it for $700, you just need to sell thousands of them to be profitable.
2: Yes. Somehow.
0: The more you spend, the more you save. But That's right. Worse. I also saw okay. something somewhere about $650. Who knows? I mean, HBM2 is not cheap. When I saw this announcement sitting at the airport as I sneaked away from CES early. Snuck. I, uh, snuck is it snuck, snuck away. Sneaked? is it snuck all right let's not let's not get off the rails here but as i as i left jim there to fend for himself uh and was watching the lisa suki no sitting at the airport i was thinking you know that that much hbm2 is going to cut into the margins on this product significantly but it does open up different avenues. Like you know, this is an interesting card. For, the the Radeon Seven is interesting, and if you don't know the specs, they're talking like uh, the the very high bandwidth memory. What they're talking about is the ability to use this for like creative purposes, like OpenCL compute, that sort of thing. In addition to you know gaming, your typical Radeon workload. This almost it basically it's almost like a workstation card that you can use for gaming. I'm thinking like bigger frontier edition kind of a thing but it's it's so it's like dual purpose i think they're just as interested in like the content creation side as the gaming side with this card but we'll we'll see how it stacks up against like an rtx 2080 but
3: well that's the thing thankfully to uh once again our friend appy Sack, we've got another rumor that has it at least in Firestrike, inching out a 2080 not the TI version, but if you look strictly at just the graphics portion of Firestrike uh, and Extreme and an Ultra and Time Spy, it's, you know, just a tiny percentage faster than the 2080. Assuming, you know, that you trust a canned benchmark of a video card that's simply labeled unknown GPU. But then the other leak was everyone's favorite Final Fantasy 15 benchmark, otherwise known as Holy Crap, Why Can't This Thing Ever Be Consistent? Uh, where it performed abysmally. So it's it's hard to say, and I'm not one to say. Oh, look, it's great in canned benchmarks. Uh, you should buy it. I think let's see it in action someday.
0: Yeah, I mean, we're we're so close to the launch now. Like by well, not not by this time next week. Let's see when is this launch? If it launches on the seventh, that's like a week and a day. Yeah. yeah, perfect. We'll have to wait another week after that to talk about it on the podcast. But in a couple of weeks, we'll know where the performance is we'll have benchmarks out there to, to review and you know we we'll, we'll know but for now speculation is fun but let's 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 move on to more speculation but other Yay. things that haven't been released as i scroll through and see that this is like rumor after rumor after rumor and it's just been nonstop since like before CES like this okay this is the we're talking about GTX 1660 Ti is what this rumor from videocards.com is and I know I wrote this one up but I'm I've been talking way too much already. Who would like to talk about these preposterous rumors from videocards.com? Anyone? Josh.
2: Have, have have
0: I read about that? I don't know. I'll I'll give you the overview. Okay, what well, you is, know what, I, what they say is it's a okay. TU116 it, core. It's 1536 CUDA horse, but it's 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 touring but it's not uh, RTX, it's got RTX disabled, yeah.
2: So, you know, they could potentially be saving on uh, on TDPs, possibly increasing the, the base clocks because they don't have to worry about the RTX portion and uh, giving a you know, GTX 1660 Ti type performance, whatever the hell that means. But it's it's probably going to be faster than a uh, 1070 Ti what they're they're saying but uh yeah you're you're gonna get a chip well at least this is the speculation because i have no idea what the hell i'm talking about but you've got a chip that's gonna have probably lower tdp because all the rtx stuff is is disabled there could be other things disabled but uh you're going to have a a chip that is based on that same chip but running with more regular stuff, DX11, DX12. And uh, you got the same amount of memory, same amount of bandwidth, but hopefully just a cheaper price and a lower TDP, so less cooling is needed. These are the rumors, and it would make sense for NVIDIA to do this because these dies are large for RTX as compared to their market and what they're competing against. Namely, AMDM themselves.
0: Yeah. I have some, you know, we have another story coming up in a little bit about competition. And anyway, we'll we'll talk about that in a minute. But first, let's talk about OLED, OLED panels, Samsung. We've we've seen OLED in laptops. It was a couple of years ago we reviewed the Yoga X, what was the X1 Yoga? It was a ThinkPad Yoga. And it was that thin, like blade-style Ultra Book in the X series, but it had an OLED screen. And the thing looked absolutely amazing. I saw it, I think that was CES 2016. We were first shown this thing. And it was just beautiful. And obviously it was OLED. Like it just but the big question was like OLED on a laptop, OLED on a computer screen of any kind. You have all these image retention questions and battery life questions and it's all legitimate but it was one of those things where if you managed it if you if you uh did it right you know like you know use a black background uh minimized your power draw when you weren't actually actively using the display it was okay as far as battery life goes it wasn't significant alan used one of these things for months and absolutely loved it and he was able to manage the battery life just fine never saw image retention issues but presumably, some compromises may have been made because Samsung is going to be mass-producing 15.6-inch 4K OLED panels starting next month. Or starting in February, so we're right around the corner. And these are going to be targeting what they say the... it's Well, it's, it's notebook, but they're targeting premium notebooks from, as they say, leading manufacturers. So we may see some high end models offering oled as an option. I don't know how much more it will be. I know it was I think around $600 more to get oled in that that thinkpad. But I mean once once you've seen one of these in person on a laptop it's just like it blows your mind. The the kind of native contrast you're getting which is essentially infinite. But what was odd to me is I'm looking at their specs and they they list I think it was what was it? 120,000 to 1. Contrast ratio. It should be infinite. Your black should be zero. So any static contrast rating that you take should be infinite, but we'll see. 600 nits brightness max. So this is not going to be like your HD, you know, HDR 1000 displays. It's just not going to be. And with OLED, you wouldn't want it to be on a laptop because that would significantly impact battery. But just something to look forward to later this year when you're shopping for that laptop and you see this expensive beautiful option and have to decide is it worth getting the oled and i want to see one of these like a long-term review to see what kind of image retention you may possibly be looking at i know with oled televisions like the the lg b series for example i think that whole line they by default in the menu enabled like this sort of pixel jumping mode where the entire frame would move a few pixels from side to side every so often just to keep you from having static images in the same spot for too long, especially if you're watching sports, playing video games, that sort of thing. And it does really seem to help with image retention on those. So something to look forward to later this year. And let's see. Jeremy posted news about... The always interesting backblaze reports for storage, for spinning rust.
2: Mainly something that Seagate always really doesn't look forward to. It's true.
3: But yes, one of these world famous torturers of uh, hard disk drives. Uh, Apparently right now they're running 104,778 of the poor things. And, you know, it's, it's, A large sample size, it's not exactly a scientific study because they're all in different systems, different workloads, but it still gives you a bloody good idea of what to expect. The good news is they're living a lot longer. Uh, The the absolute worst was a Toshiba with a 3% uh, annualized failure rate, uh, all the way down to a different type of Toshiba that... They've deployed 40, 45 of them back in 2016.
0: Not a single one has died, which is That is amazing. Have you that, ever seen that on one of these Backblaze reports? Zero failures? No. Not unless it was it's like... Over four years? Three years? Yeah. What really gets me is that 12 gigabyte HTST. I mean, one failure, but look at how many drives they have. They have 1,278 deployed, one failure.
2: God. I love HGST card drives. Yeah. They just are fantastic. I mean, if I could get them for every damn thing that I own, I, yes. I would. And yeah. they're bought up by Western Digital. It's unfortunate because WD is not as great, but at least they left HGST kind of as their subgroup.
0: Josh, I just want to tell did you, yeah. I, was, I was looking this up just now to see what one of these drives would cost. And as I'm typing, I typed Josh 12, ter- or t- Josh 12 terabyte, which did uh, not. How, how much do I cost? Water. I don't. Oh, let's see. Josh 12 terabyte. Hmm. Uh, I got a link for a Seagate Iron Wolf. <laughs> Thanks, Google. I am
2: the farthest away from being an Iron Wolf that, yeah, you could possibly get.
0: Okay, so those drives are around four hundred and uh four hundred to four hundred and thirty dollars, it looks like those ultra stars h H E twelves. But you know what? They last, damn it. All right. This this is something that I wrote up earlier tonight. This is a new release today. This is one of those absolutely ridiculous products that I always think are, you know, I get a kick out of stuff like this. Look at listen to these numbers. This is an Intel Xeon. W3175X it is 28 cores 56 threads turbo up to 4.3 gigahertz and the TDP is 255 watts so it you know 6 channel DDR4 memory 68 PCIe lanes this it, this is it's, it's Xeon, but it's Xeon for like ultra high-end desktop workstation applications. This is targeting the high-end workstation market. And we had heard rumors about this. I know looking back just at our own news posts, going back to like November, I think, Jeremy like posted news or a link to a story about this. And it was initially announced in October. So we already knew the specs. We just didn't know pricing and it was rumored to be you know thousands of dollars and then like $4,000 and then it was officially announced with with pricing for 1,000 units at $3,000 a piece. And this is not being sold to the general public. This is being sold to uh system integrators. So this will be something that you'll find only in high-end workstations pre-built workstations. And this is that same processor the lineage of this goes all the way back to that uh Five gigahertz, like overclocked uh benchmark that they got some flack for because of the like the what was it, like a primo chill cooler and like massive power supply powering the thing. But I will say the cooler, and I, I posted the a picture of the cooler as well here. This is a special ACTEC design that they They worked with Intel on, it has just this huge copper plate that sits right on the CPU. I wonder, I mean, there's no like shroud or anything over this. You're just looking at the copper. And it has a 500 watt uh, cooling potential. There must be a better way of, of phrasing that but this it's just it's just excess like everything about this just like it's pure excess like a three thousand dollar processor hitting over four gigahertz at turbo on a xeon with this many cores and obviously you pay the price as far as tdp but you know sebastian happily excess is never enough Yeah, I mean, but look at, I mean, look, if you're looking at the picture, like this, this first picture here, it's not, it's not like a YouTuber. I mean, maybe they helped them out with it, but this is like Intel's picture from their website. They're using RGB fans and they're trying to look cool. I mean, it's, they're using green memory sticks. So, I mean, come on. Oh, well, no, no, still RGB memory in there. I I didn't bother posting it
3: um, just for reasons, but they've just announced a six channel Trident Z Royal. Oh, Perfect. 16 gig times 12.
0: Yes, workstations need RGB. Roker. Roker in the chat. I agree. Yeah. Uh yeah, this is this is ludicrous. Uh but you know, there have been some early reviews. There's a bunch of reviews out there. Gamers Nexus and OnTech, I PC World. I linked all those in the review or in the news post. And basically performance, let's look at gamers Nexus. performance of this. You'd think, okay, 28 cores versus obviously what AMD has with ThreadRipper, where you can get a 32 core 2990 WX for $1,729 on Amazon right now. So a little more than half of the cost of this for more cores. But one of the one of the things they they brought up, Steve over there brought up was Adobe Creative Suite. Like Adobe applications, this thing is a monster. To the extent that he was talking, like they need to find the budget to get one once they're available. Because if you look at the benchmarks, this does extremely well relative to uh, Threadripper, depending on the workload. Like it's one of those things where you look at what your actual needs are, and it may very well be that Threadripper is the best option for you and certainly is going to be there as far as price goes and availability. Who knows what the total investment for this is going to be because we don't know motherboard pricing yet. Since this is being released only to system integrators at this point, we don't know what it's going to cost for the, I think it was Gigabyte and Asus that had motherboards for this new platform. But it's all new. Like you have to get a new motherboard. You need to get one of these new coolers. There's only one so far. This this Asetec design, which is $400 on its own, so this is the buy-in to this platform is not cheap, but if you just want something that's going to tear through Premiere, then this is a great option. So it, it really depends. You'd have to look at the benchmarks and check the news posts. I've got links out to those reviews or just check reviews. We do not have one of these tests, which makes me very sad. I want to wallow in multi-core goodness, but you know what? I can, I can do that. We have some stuff around here. I'll, I'll have a, a little uh, concession to myself like a consolation prize that's what i'm trying to say anyhow let's move on one more news story here i think Oh, two two more news stories and but one of the biggest ones of the week i somehow left until the very end so real quick jeremy another one of your news posts here it was is it true that we could soon have a terabyte of storage in our smartphones Indeed it is. And the nifty trick about it was that
3: they essentially double the density so that the the chip itself is physically the same as the current 512 gig version that you got. And I I mentioned this earlier when we were talking about uh, possible storage in the new Xboxes. But it's just, you know, the next generation of phones is going to have to have something to do. And so, you know, if you need a couple hundred hours of 4K video to be in your pocket, Maybe the new S10 is going to support this. I'm sure it will be incredibly cheap, and you'll be able to pick it up easily. But, uh, you know, this going to have a terabyte of flash on the flagship bloody phones. And it's offering about a gigabit's worth of uh, speed, which is, again, just crazy for a phone. It, it's it's going to be interesting to see just what they do with this. And I suddenly am no longer complaining that I don't have an SD card expansion slot in my phone.
0: Suddenly. Yeah. You know, SD card slots in phones, that ship has sailed. Removable batteries, that ship has sailed. The most unpopular opinions of all time. Just like when uh, somebody put up a like, where do you like your front facing camera? I don't know if it was Android police or somebody on Twitter. And, and I was, I'm like, I know what the answer is going to be. And I'm scrolling down at the comments, and it's just all the replies are none, nowhere, no front facing camera for me. Like, I think the people who are anti front facing camera are the same people who want a removal battery and an SD card slot and, and a headphone oh, but, jack. Yeah. And a headphone which. jack, which, you know, I totally understand that because, you know, I, I, like, I like audio. And headphones plug in with the this cool like three point five millimeter compact little thing that like gives you all the power and the sound at the same time. It's uncompressed. It's amazing. And someday in the future, we might see phones that have a built-in headphone amplifier and a place to plug in your headphones. But you know, that's who knows when that will ever. Happen. Can we
3: go back to the that's giant the nipple camera at the end too? The what now? The the giant nipple camera like
0: that uh, Nokia? What was it? The 1030, 1050? <laughs> yeah, that's the other option. If you don't like, uh, okay, the the leaks that we've seen about the galaxy S 10 are that it has like the, the punch out cameras, mm-hmm. right? like no notch. Cause you know, Samsung would never use a notch because they had that, that brilliant ad campaign where anybody who used an iPhone had like this, you know, this, these bangs that looked like a notch and they had the whole family of like drones who all use notched phones. Well, Samsung apparently is just punching holes through their AMOLED to allow the front facing cameras and the face ID or whatever they're using. So we'll see. Uh speed holes. Yeah. It makes your phone faster. Josh, you Me. posted something a post about AMD one. earnings. Apparently AMD yes. had some announcements.
2: They did today. You know, everybody's kind of waiting for this one because we've we've had <clears throat> the warning from NVIDIA that their that their quarter is going to be not as nice as they are hoping because they're going to take a 500 million dollar hit in revenue that they weren't expecting <clears throat> and then we had Intel who had good earnings but not as good as many were hoping and they showed some some weakness in the uh, in the marketplace and so people were really looking forward to AMD's uh, returns and their earnings to see where things exactly were at. And, and, you know, they announced annually and quarterly. So the annually AMD did very well, they probably their, their best quarter uh, year since 2011, which is, well, you can, you can count the years. It's, it's seven years behind us. And you can kind of see where AMD has been going in terms of market share and money and turnover and, people getting kicked from the company, and whatever. But anyway, they 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 achieved $6.48 billion in revenue this past year. And their net income is $337 million. And that's really good for them because previously it has been loss over loss, over loss, over loss. And, oh, my God, is this co- company going to survive? What are they doing to take care of some of these debts? Blah, blah, blah. So it's it's been a, a positive development that 2018 has been as profitable for them as 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 it has. I mean, we have Ryzen <clears throat> to thank for that. We have Crypto to thank for that. I mean, the tail end of Crypto from the first half of 2018 really helped out their GPU struggles. <clears throat> and uh, when you put all these things together, including what they have done overall company-wide, uh, they've really made AMD a, a very the a very lean organization with still a a significant amount of research and development to get out products in a timely manner to hopefully beat out Intel to the punch. And so 2018 was, you know, it was Zen Plus. It was continuing along with uh uh, the RX series, which is based on Polaris 10, Polaris 20, I believe, uh, they've kind of refreshed that. They've got the newer Vega stuff, and then uh, now upcoming, which is not going to have any kind of material uh, effect on on that, is is the Vega seven uh, seven nanometer things. So <clears throat> it's been really positive for the company overall because they've they've executed well. They've made some money. They've kept costs down. They haven't done exceptionally well, obviously, because right now they're competing with Intel. They are not overcoming them as compared to like 2003, 2004, 2005, where they had the Athlon 64 and the Opterons that were better than anything Intel had at the time. It's a very different marketplace. But anyway, their quarterly um, results are... A little bit lower than what Q3 was. Q3 was what 1.6 something billion in revenues. Q4 is, and eh, they're down to 1.42. Uh, they kind of expected this from multiple areas. One crypto is again down, I mean, it's it's just it's it's non existent for AMD cards for GPUs, so they're taking a hit there. They've got inventory of GPUs that's backlogged. This is why we see RX 580s that are sub-$200. Really good deals for consumers. Not as good for AMD because it's still not a small chip. And it's 8 gigs of memory. You put all these things together and then the the, the bill of materials is still pretty significant for what they're doing. and So their margins are taking a hit there. Um, Ryzen And the Ryzen 2000 series has been strong for them. Uh, They're not gaining huge amounts of market share, but they've stabilized quite a bit. And they're slowly eking back, you know, what they've kind of lost. And not only that, but the market still grows. Not as much and not as quick as many were hoping, but AMD is, is staying steady there. And so they're making money and their products are increasing in the ASP, the average selling price. And uh, they just have a much more healthy uh, portfolio of, of products to offer consumers. Um, <clears throat> Epic has grown. It's taking away some, uh, some market share from what it looks like from Intel. But part of that is, one, it's, it's, it looks like a good product. And two, Intel simply cannot provide enough product to the market for the demand that is that is current and so uh when intel had talked about their revenues they had talked about it's like they're they're maximizing their their production lines they're selling everything that they can produce and that means that there is a wait time for other uh, oems to get xeon products especially into their into their uh product lines And, uh, you know, AMD is taking advantage of that because they can produce product and they can actually sell it and they can fill in the space in in, in terms of demand that Intel can't supply. And so overall, Q4 was was a solid growth in terms of Epic. It was solid in terms of Ryzen. Uh, Their GPUs are still kind of suffering because they don't have anything other than, you know, Vega 56 in Vegas 64 they're not great, but they're not bad. Uh, the RX series, I think they are selling well just because of the price point, and they've got eight gigs of memory on board. yeah that's that's big when you do yeah it, it it kind of is, and so when you put it all together, AMD has had a good quarter, not a breakout quarter, not an outstanding quarter but it's good and they have really stabilized everything throughout the entire year that they have actually made a profit they're expanding their products they're they're expanding their market share in certain areas and uh you know something they talked about was next quarter they're expecting about 1.25 billion in revenue so that's a big drop and uh even though epics selling well uh they're still expecting some pullback in terms of you know their GPU inventory still is is not great. Uh, Ryzen Q1, you know, desktop CPUs historically has not been a great time to to sell these products. Um, but they're they're gaining some areas. They're they're staying steady. They're able to, you know, gather a profit from even really uh, competitive and, and not great. Uh, environment for them to do business in, just because Intel is 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 huge. But uh, they're looking forward to a pretty strong 2019 because they have products coming out in seven nanometer uh, that are redesigned that that should be very very competitive, if not a little bit better than what Intel offers at their 14 nanometer plus 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 uh, <laughs> type uh, process node. So it's, uh, you know, they're they're feeling a little bit bullish. They're being conservative. But, uh, you know, we really won't see what uh, AMD can do until they get to these Zen 2-based desktop processors and especially the Epic 2 products, which, in theory, could just add a tremendous amount of performance per socket and for the price. And that's where they're really hoping to dig into Intel. What do you and think you
0: about AMD in... Sorry, go ahead, Jerry. I was going to say, and you can actually buy them. Yes, you can. Yeah. What do you think about AMD in mobile this year? I know we saw some interesting examples of fully AMD-powered notebooks at CES. I know Asus had shown a couple of them. But that's such a huge space. I mean, there's almost everything out there in the notebook world is powered by Intel some combination of Intel or Intel with like NVIDIA, like MX 150 graphics or something like that. But if AMD has a high performance, low power CPU for mobile, I know it's one of those things where it's one thing to sell to enthusiasts, but mainstream users, a lot of people, their primary computer is a laptop. If they make inroads in that space, that could be huge for them. And in the past, it's been, what has been the problem? Just a a lack of performance per watt for AMD? You know, I I think that, you know, kind of the bean
2: counters and the statisticians and economics people have really looked at the, uh, you know, where sales have gone. And I think that AMD is focusing on the areas where they believe that they can get the best margins, the best amount of growth. And even though mobile is seriously a, a growing market, we're not gonna see a seven nanometer Ryzen two, Ryzen three thousand series mobile part until 2020, early 2020. And so they're focusing their 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 products on getting a good desktop, getting servers, and then working on graphics, and then eventually Moving around to mobile, because, yeah, mobile is is a growth industry. The margins still aren't that great yeah. on mobile. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Whereas
3: so, if you talk Amazon into uh, picking up Epic or Epic 2, Microsoft, uh, Baidu, like these big guys who their customers never even know what processor they're really running on for the most part. They avoid the the, the bit of kickback that you've been seeing because, you know, AMD hasn't really been a major player in enterprise market in a while. And you run into people who are just immediately have a negative reaction to, oh, it's AMD. No, screw you. I'll wait for the Intel part. But if you get these big farms going in the background and moving over to Epic and Epic 2, because the price is good, because it's actually available, it could be a nice revenue stream for them uh, to help boost. Look at our consumer side. Knocking on wood.
0: Well, you know what? I think we actually got through everything. And all that's left. Do we have any picks this week, gentlemen? Sure.
1: Uh, I'm picking a case of 36 bottles of NyQuil uh, shipped (laughs) to your door. Uh you can get it as soon as February first if you order now at Amazon.com. So is that really four hundred and thirty-three dollars? Yeah, the pricing gets out of whack. Uh it's not probably not the best value, but you don't have to leave the house. How much crack can you make out of that? I don't know if that's you can <laughs> I think that stuff's still behind the counter
0: behind the oh, the okay. yeah, the it's pharmacist. $433. I was wondering it might yeah. feel real good. Yeah. For a while, and then you'll feel worse who has a non drug related pick? Well, I'm, I'm not guaranteeing
3: that drugs weren't related in the idea of this project when it started three, four years ago, but there's a guy who has been solely working on recreating, uh, Zelda in the doom engine, y- you <laughs> good doom engine. Uh, he's, given it up for various reasons. Uh, but, you know, as of last week, he's sort of saying, hey, if anyone wants to continue doing it, it'd be wonderful if you wanted to pick it up and you can still get uh, the, the the current uh, mod or the current version off of Mod DB. So all you need is the Doom.wad and uh, download this and you can play a total conversion of Doom that is... Well, it's Zelda. Because why
0: wouldn't you? I mean, yeah, I've... it's just strange. It's it's truly and <laughs> deeply bizarre. I love
2: it, Josh. Me, you. I have a pick. Do you? You know what? I'm I'm always happy with with furthering or or you know advancing a technology and. And this latest Kindle looks nice. I don't know why he's
1: showing a uh, a wheel. Okay, you guys, it's I, new, you, it's Josh. You didn't update your your you know, you updated link. your picks too it. late, so all the links are out of date. You're Hang a on liar. a second. <sighs> Hang on a second. Paper white. No, it is not. It's not a wheel. It, this isn't the link, Josh.
2: What are you talking about? It's the
1: you, link. You, you linked the Google Doc as your link.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I did, huh? Yes. Well, let me, let me throw up a link. Is it the Oasis? appropriate. And we'll do one there and then we'll change here. Life within a. Oh, no, oh, Change. Drove V. Uh, okay, now try that. Get your shit together, Josh. Well, my shit has never been in a pile never oh well anyway it's the latest version of kindle white it's smaller longer lasting waterproof i use my kindle all the time i gave my wife one and that was the worst mistake i ever made in my life for because she reads some really really trashy romance novels
0: she needs to get her own account
2: yeah well you don't want that filling up your recommendations too late the marquee is the devil. I don't know. I it just it's bad. It's bad stuff. But Daniel Steele's still putting stuff out. there. Eh? No, dude. This is this is a step below Daniel Steele. Oh, good so, God. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, uh, otherwise, you know, if you keep it to yourself, it's a fantastic product, and you'll be very <laughs> happy. Three hundred, you know, uh, pixels per
0: inch of uh, you know the the black white stuff. It's it's fantastic. So, yeah, enjoy. I can vouch for you, Josh, because I have a paperweight. I got it for Christmas last year. And thankfully, my wife does not read Kindle. Or she can use her own account for that. But it's beautiful. This thing, it looks almost like a page. They finally got the the resolution is so high, but it's better than like an iPad, because unlike an iPad, which is like refreshing 60 times a second, and I get eye strain trying to read that even at the low. It's just
2: a constant source of lighting.
0: Yeah. yeah, and it's actually yeah. a very good backlight. They did a really good job making it like diffused, like so it's very I have like a couple of hot spots on the bottom of mine, but barely notice it and very very easy to read on. Uh that is not my pick as well, though. Uh let's see. This is a little it's not really a piece of software. It is a dashboard to allow you to change all of the annoying Windows 10 settings all in one place. It's a it's called O and O Software uh, is the company. And it's called Shut Up Ten. Shut up. Shut up. Shut up. So <laughs> it it I I've used this on a couple of computers now. It just you bring it up. It's just this quick interface to disable what you'd like to disable, or you can quickly disable all, which I did. And Then you just restart your computer, and you've disabled everything. Here's the beautiful thing, though, from Microsoft. If you have, if anything updates, if any update gets through, even if you've paused updates, this has happened to me, I get an update anyway, it reverses stuff. It sets things back. It turns telemetry back on. So you have to run this again. Anytime you run update, and they warn you, anytime you run update, you've got to go back in and check all your privacy settings again. But yes, it's I, I have gone through on fresh Windows 10 installs because unfortunately I'm compelled to use it because I have to cover this industry. That means running Windows 10, because Windows 10 means, you know, modern hardware, modern GPUs, Direct X twelve. But it is frustrating that I have absolutely no control over Windows update. And even and I if you follow like, you know, like Paul Thorat and his his podcast, he does like a, a daily podcast with Brad Sams and it's, it's funny. They were doing their podcast a couple days ago. And right in the middle of the podcast, uh, the computer got restarted because of a Windows update. And it was like you, you have so many chances to pause it or to to delay and you just run out of chances. And then it doesn't matter what kind of mission-critical work you're doing. It will ruin everything. Mm-hmm. So it's always interesting. I mean, how Microsoft made an accident last
3: week that let uh, the October update get pushed through against group policies. They fixed it in a couple of hours, but yeah, just it was just an accident.
0: Yeah, we didn't even talk about the whole FaceTime bug thing, but anyway. Uh, does anybody have anything else? All right, how is everybody doing? By the way, as far as we're in the middle of what they call the what is it? The polar vortex is the sensational term of the month. Jeremy Where is like seventy degrees <laughs> in Vancouver.
3: Well, fifty. Wait, is that yeah.
0: Celsius or uh, Fahrenheit? Fahrenheit.
2: Uh, it's Fahrenheit. It it
3: might hit freezing overnight tonight. Might be some frost in the morning. We
0: got a high of 34, 35. That's ridiculous. 30. Okay, let me tell you something. Last no- Okay, when I woke up this morning it was negative 10. I'm in Michigan. It is currently negative 7 outside, at least it was when we started. That's not so bad. It is It is not so bad until like you like touch your own door handle and your hand like it burns like it's just. You're not supposed to touch your door handle with that. Yeah. Well, okay, but. And it was, if it burns, you should see a doctor. Hey, I made five bucks, so it was worth it. Fair enough. Um, yeah, my my wife broke a windshield wiper blade on her car. So I had to Fair tromp enough. out tromp out there, and there's like broken plastic, and trying to put the wiper black back on, and freezing and burning my hands on the metal. And anyway, that's all I have. That's all you got. We're all
2: surviving. It'll be over soon.
0: Thankf- I hope so, experience. because you know what? I'm not getting any mail. They've suspended mail delivery. Uh, FedEx, there was a package I was supposed to get today, and I just got like a circumstances beyond our control delay uh, update. So I'm I'm just... I'm yeah, but I bet you if you world. phone Pizza Hut, it's still there in 30 minutes. I don't know. Poor 17-year-old kid in his Honda. I went for a drive today after my wife got back from work. And I'm driving around town. I was actually making my way to the post office because I thought I could go pick up my mail because I got this notification that they had, there was two packages waiting for me. And I get to the post office. It's closed. There it was a, a like a, a printout taped to the door saying that they left at 3 p.m. This is at like 445. And the streets are all deserted. I saw like two people, very few cars. Street is just pack ice and half the businesses are closed. So I just feel like I mean there's nothing to do here except run benchmarks to keep myself warm, I guess. Because I'm not getting anything. I'm cut off from the outside world.
3: Uh and how back when I was like 14 or 15 on the Boy Scouts, we went camping in negative 40.
0: Why? No bugs. Because we were tougher back then. No also true. It's true you know what i haven't i haven't seen a single mosquito in the last couple of days That's this is wonderful yeah excellent all right well uh if nobody has anything else uh no. uh i'll call it a podcast so join us please uh next week we'll do this whole thing again and have some more stuff to talk about pc com is the name of the website to go to to read the reviews and you can subscribe to this podcast at your usual places and uh That's all I've got. I will see you guys next week.